it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, we are coming to our listeners live uh, just a few moments after the Islanders' five-game winning streak came to an end with a pretty hard-to-watch 3 nothing loss in Detroit. I don't want to spend too much time on that game because the other games preceding it were much better, uh, but it's going to be hard to really kind of wash that stink off that quickly uh it was it was not good it was uh everything that could have gone wrong did and and you know the red wings played fine but for the islanders it was not a fun game to watch at all yeah it was uh you, you know that whole that old poem who was it like john don or keats or someone's like not with a bang but a whimper but this one was was a bang and then a whimper right um because like you said, like it's you. You can't just focus on the Red Wings loss. It just happened, so right. you know a little recency bias, and uh, you know it's a running theme. I think for this whole season is that for the fan base, at least, you know we we're gonna have some sort of uh, you know PTSD, I guess, from last season, where every loss is is gonna feel like it could lead to something monumental because of what we saw last year, right around this time, um, and. You know, also, we've already been through a th- season-ending three-game losing streak this season. So <laughs> uh, it's it's that's the thing that sucks. It's you know five-game winning streak comes to an end. It was going to come to an end some at some point. Um, I was so pleased that they won that Blues game uh, right. for this reason. Because had they not, then this game becomes a lot more important. You're talking about, uh, you know, a team that's six and six, I guess, would have been. 
rather than seven and five. And right. uh, with the way the the standings are kind of shaking out, the Islanders are in a very you know kind of comfortable spot for right this second. But you you peer around uh, the Metro and everything is in and the East in general, and you just see a lot a lot of teams that are uh, in kind of weirder spots. So there's so much more positives to take from this week than negatives. But uh, yeah, that, that game in, in a, I, I meant, I forgot to mention this after the Colorado game, but that Colorado game last week um, when the Islanders went down three, nothing, if that was last season, I would have turned that game off, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, cause there was just no chance, but right. th- you could kind of tell like they were, they were in the fight in that game. And it was mm. just a couple bad, you know, moments here and there that, that had them behind three goals to the Stanley cup champions. And, um, this game, this Red Wings game, you could have turned it up as soon as uh, the five yeah. on three goal went in, and because it just felt you just felt like the Islanders are not scoring. Yeah, um, it's actually funny uh, that you mentioned that because when uh, through getting back to that Blues game, we'll we'll talk about the games individually in a minute. But uh, it's I said this to my wife too, like it was one nothing Blues after the first period. And they controlled play for the first 15 minutes or so. It wasn't until the end that the Islanders started coming around. But at the end of the period, it was only one nothing. And I said, you know, I've seen the Islanders play a million games like this where they come out, they put all the pressure on the other team, they, they do everything right, but they only come away with one goal. And then it's just a loss waiting to happen. Because <laughs> like we did all that work and we only came away with one goal. And that's exactly what happened basically against St. Louis, except in this case, it was the blues that, you know, got basically the, their second period, just everything fell apart. Like everything they did right in the first period fell apart for them in the second period. Yeah. This game against the Red Wings, um, you know, it just nothing, we might as well start there cause it's, it's fresh in our minds, but just nothing went right for them. Uh, it was nothing, nothing after the first period. And I thought, all right, well that, that period was just, you know, now that it's over, maybe we'll get things going again. It was, it was oddly chippy. These two teams really don't like each other. And it's really funny to me. I don't know why they just don't. They talked about a hit last year that on Anthony Beauvillier that I don't really remember. And I, I don't know. There's just something about them that maybe it's a sort of residual arrogance from the Red Wings, you know, fan base or something. I, I don't know. There's something about the, the the Red Wings that just drive the Islanders crazy. And, and it was very chippy. They didn't really have enough shots on goal. They played fine. They just weren't getting anything to the net. And that would be kind of a running theme. Uh, eventually... Uh, they they also had to kill a bunch of penalties, which also led to the discrepancy in shots. And then just to fast forward, they were already killing a penalty. And then Adam Pellick was called for what might be the worst hooking call I've ever seen. This was a very curiously officiated game. The Islanders didn't get power plays until late. And, and uh, frankly, it wasn't like they did anything with them anyway. So it doesn't matter. But that hook was that was nonsense. I mean, I'm sorry. We, we don't we don't take it to refs very often on this show. But that was nonsense. Like, come on. That 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 hook was was barely. I mean, he barely touched him with. A, and then, of course, Matt Barzell in the third period gets hit with a high stick, and there's no call. You know, it's like, come on, really? What are we doing here? But yeah, that's that led to a power play goal against. And then, um, actually, the puck bounced off of Ryan Pollock's foot to uh, Lucas Raymond, who scored. And then later on, with the Islanders on their own power play, they give up a shorthanded goal. Which you know, th- this team almost never gives up shorthanded goals. It's actually really funny. So when they do, they feel like I just got stabbed in the neck. Like it's just the worst feeling ever because it almost never happens. Yeah. And they give them up at the worst possible time. So yeah, it was it was a tough. The first two periods were tough to watch, and I almost didn't stick around for the third, like you said, because it just 
didn't feel like there was really necessary to, but I did. Yeah, there was one check thing, thing like check mark I needed to get in the third period, and that was to see that Varlamov came back, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he like was said, uh, barreled into by Raymond, and he left. And yeah. Sorokin came in and gave up the shorty, but then Varlamov right. was back. Yeah, right. That was that was the kind of thing. It's like the team gave up that shorthand and breakaway six seconds after Sorokin came in. So it's yeah. it was, was that his only <laughs> shot of the game? No, he he made a couple of uh, saves after. Uh, I think he probably stopped like five or something, but okay. he, whatever it was, it wasn't much going on. And uh, I, right. you know, I was just praying to God that he was okay. He's <laughs> going to be okay and not like pull a hammy. But um, yeah, I think just the game generally kind of could get summed up in 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 that play because the Islanders had a good, a decent scoring chance, set, almost scoring chance, I guess you could say, where uh, Barzell found Nelson. He flubbed a shot, still got, almost got through to the net, but like Lee tipped it wide. But the whole game, they just think the pucks were jumping over sticks. Like yeah. you said, shots were getting blocked. Yeah. Uh, there was a Ryan Pollock broke his stick on uh, one shot, finally got yeah. open and stick broke. Good, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, you know, the, the, the hockey gods were clearly not. I mean, the, yeah. the Red Wings were honoring their, their Stanley Cup champion team <laughs> right. week or something. So it was, there was just some, some, you know, magic that they had and mm-hmm. which is fine. And, uh, but it, yeah, it did not. It just guys over skating, pucks falling down at bad times. It just was the bad kind of effort. Uh, but I mean, if we we park that game and we can kind of put that that game in the same bin, I think, as that Florida Panthers loss, um, the from the from the season opener, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, like they they weren't great. But I, actually, yeah. you know what? That's not fair. That that first game, they were they were actually pretty good. This one, they were worse. Yeah. This was like kind of in between the two Florida Panthers losses, I guess. I was um, going to say this was the second worst game of the year after that Devils game. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. I, cause I like, I, I'm, I, the, I mean, the Devils game was just so far. And I actually, I can't remember who I saw tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone was like, like some, it might've been like Corey Schneider or Corey Schneider type that was mm-hmm. tracks games. And he would just track that one. It was like, I'm really confused about what yeah. this game was. And I'm just happy <laughs> someone else outside of the Islander fan base noticed. Cause that was, one of the strangest <laughs> bad performances I've ever seen. Um, right. But the, the, I think the, you know, like the difference between that one and this one was the Islanders weren't really chasing the puck. Like yeah. they were in the game. It was just, they, they didn't have the kind of execution that game. They didn't have anything. Whereas like that, that first Panthers game, it was, it was a coin flip. And then that second Panthers game was more of this, I guess, akin to this one where you can't say that you can't look at anyone with, with a straight face and say the Islanders deserve to win it. But at the same right. time, you could have said if they had won that game, like it's it's like a classic NHL kind of you know smash and grab. Uh, mm-hmm. But coming on the heels of what they did in Chicago and St. Louis, you know the the, the bitter taste is not as bitter as 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 it has been after uh, yeah. some other losses this season. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was just a comedy of errors. Basically, Barzell had a he was right in the slot in the first period. Shoots wide. Barzell was the only Islander really to play very well. I thought he was great. Wings. Yeah, he was all over the place. He's just he... never gonna score again, which is fine. <laughs> like he, I, I kind of rooting for him to go zero goals, like eighty six assists. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it, it's possible. But he had a number of wide open nets. Uh, he he was dipping and darting. He he deked some dude out of his pants at one point. It just wasn't it just wasn't gonna fall for him. And and he wants that goal. And it just you know it. it it wasn't 
it wasn't in the cards, basically. And yeah, I mean, I'll eventually get over it. I just, I hated, I felt it was very embarrassing. Like just for everybody involved, the Islanders, it was embarrassing for, for the, the refs, it was embarrassing for, and, and, you know, some of the, it was, the, some of the game. It was just like a perfect yeah. matinee, like basically. Yeah. One, one yeah. team was, it was really like, you know, six players for the Red Wings showed up and that was uh, more yeah. than the Islanders won and the officiating crew, which wasn't, I mean, the first yeah. period, Matt Martin, I can't believe he got away with smashing his stick against the glass. Yeah, I thought the fact that he did kind of showed you that the refs knew, like, all right, like we're we're kind of you know you you have you have like a point here because like there were two blatant calls that they had missed right before that, and then they 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 messed up the icing, so he smashes Mm. his stick against the glass, and I I was shocked that he didn't get called for it. Seriously, Um, Um, but I think it was because they were almost like putting their hand up, being like, "Yeah, we're we're not at it. We're not at the races here either, boys." (laughs) <laughs> it was apparently a rookie referee uh, doing the game. And then, and then the third goal was, you know, the Islanders come out in, in the start, the third, and they, they're actually found, finally mounting pressure for the first time in the game. And the first time the Red Wings break the other way, it's Dominic Kubelik and he just scores on a wrister. And that was it. That was, that was the game basically. So, and then the other thing too, that I hate about matinee games, aside from the fact that the Islanders, half of them, they're very sleepy in is that, you know, because it's the only thing on a lot of people are watching it. And so, my Twitter and not to go off on a whole thing here, but part of me almost wants Twitter to just go away. Cause maybe, maybe my life will be a lot better if it, if it was, so I wouldn't have to deal with shit I, like I this. Just need, I, I'm with you, except I just hope that I can petition to save like eight accounts and all of them yeah. are Toronto Maple Leafs beat writers. So I can just see, so I can just see them tweet about these right. fourth liners who they sign in July and they're, they're mm. going to be fan favorites and you know, shrewd yeah. move by Dubis. And then by the time, veterans day comes over there they're on a different team yeah you need you need to be you need to make a discord of just that just like yeah. leaves reporter fails or whatever but uh but the, the but with matinee games it's always like people that that haven't watched the islanders all season if not all of last season too all of a sudden they're experts and so my you know your timeline is filled with people that you follow or friends that are like oh I hate these guys. Ugh, it's the Islanders. Oh my God. These guys are terrible. This team is terrible. They stink. They're the worst. I hate what a bunch of scumbags. Look at how they're roughing up these beautiful, innocent boys who play for the Red Wings. <laughs> Dude, just shut up. Like, come on. I mean, you haven't, I mean, it's funny too. because I thought about this, like I was reading a thing at the athletic and I don't remember what it was. And we'll get back to their two games in a, in a second, but like, it was it, always oh, the power rankings. And normally I don't like these. I was very bored and I read it and I shouldn't have, cause I, I should have known better, but like, yeah, <laughs> this was, this was before today's game. So like the Islanders have won five in a row. They again, beaten again, the list Rangers, hurricanes, avalanche, Blackhawks, blues. And they were like ranked 17th or something. And I thought to myself, if, if the Islanders players like walked into the athletic offices, like how many people would recognize them? Like how many people would be like, dude, that's Anders Lee. I don't think the, the answer is very many, you know, I mean, obviously it's a theoretical office cause there's, right. I don't know if there actually isn't, but I just, it occurred to me that like these people don't know what they're talking about. Anyway. I think it's a part it's of a, a good wider point though, with the, cause of the way the, you know, I alluded to the way the standings are kind of right now and yeah, everybody's attention is just going to, you know, well the devils for sure. And, and, and also right. and the Sabres like, too. For, we do yeah. like the devils have been good. So it's not, mm. I'm not, this isn't, saying they don't deserve it but because a lot of times like that when the de- there are people like ooh, the devils are like you know they're they're six six and one for each but if mm-hmm. they can just get you know a save they'll you know be great but they're they're like legitimately playing well they're they're at the top of the standings so i get like they deserve a lot of the credit right now and then get yeah, like the sabers mm-hmm. 
the Oilers, who yeah, because I guess McDavid. But then then you have like the, the, this insane fascination with the car crash theater in Vancouver. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean the Leaf stuff, which is Coyotes. always yeah the Coyotes, the yeah. Mullet Arena. So it's like the Islanders had timed this surge in a way that it's so easy for everyone kind of just to generalize it. Right. Like, Oh, like, yeah, like they've, you know, it's still for they'll, you can kind of couch the Islanders surge as yeah, it's still early in the season. So we'll, right. we'll wait to, to find out about them. But everybody else is like, wow, like this is legit. Like there, here come the savers. Like, well, we'll we, this is finally the season. Like, and we yeah. always say that like, you know, the NHL is better when the sabers are good. Uh, mm. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas yeah, the Islanders are, uh, yeah. Um, they're just yeah. Oh, would you look at that? They just ran through the the Rangers, Hurricanes, and Avalanche, and then carried it over with. And again, that Blues game was was car crash theater as well because they had just lost five in a row, and they really <laughs> did remind me of the Islanders last year in the middle of their losing streak. Um, and so and I heard on like NHL serious radio people talking about it, um, and then on Thirty Two Thoughts too, like they mentioned the Islanders for a split second and then just talked about the blues losing streak. So right. The Islanders okay. kind of yeah. they're, um when they beat the avalanche, like a lot of people were talking about how the avalanche, they just lost to the devils and the Islanders and sluggish start for the avalanche. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, then it was the blues thing. So they haven't really just, they haven't just mm-hmm. timed it right. And uh, I'm actually fine with it in, in yeah. general. It's just it, when then, because then in like three or four weeks from now, when the, with, with however this goes like people the the the, the lazy kind of jokes of like islander fans are pissed because like we're not covering them or are only covering them for because when when times are bad are going to pop up and we'll be like well mm. yeah look that's because when when we beat the avalanche in a stunning game like yeah no, no nobody yeah. uh nobody really made a a big deal about made it made two notes about it yeah so right well and it just goes back to what we talked about throughout the trots era, which is like the Islanders went from, Oh my God, what a, what a clown show these guys are to, uh, well, that's just how they play. You know, the Islanders, it's like, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. (laughs) So there's no, there's no analysis at all. (laughs) They went from being like, forget these guys, they stink to forget these guys. It's just what they do. And and I'll give credit to, to Boomer Gordon on NHL's radio on the point. And, and uh, Boomer, I think is battling something. So he's, he's the best. He's like the, my, one of my favorite radio guys. Uh, so wish him the best, but he, I was listening to his show, I think on Monday and he, they were wrapping up the weekend and he was talking about like, which team was 32nd and five on five goals. And I think it ended up being the avalanche or someone surprising her, whoever it was, uh, at the time. And he was asking his co-host to try to guess it. And I was like, wow, I really hope, you know, I wonder if Boomer, who's an Islander fan. I was like, I wonder if he's going to oh, notice yeah. if he's going to do the inverse here and, and say, cause at the time the Islanders were leading the league in five on five goals per game or per 60 or whatever. And he did. And his co-host was like, no, like, come on. He's like, yeah, he goes, all right, I don't like, I don't, how are they doing it? Like I'm looking at their schedule and, and it's actually like been tough. <laughs> and like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just so funny how it just snuck up on these people and nobody has uh, any, uh, you know, layered kind of response to what the Islanders are doing. Like Lane Lambert isn't being Derek Lalonde and Don Granada are being talked about. And of course, Lindy Ruff, like, Jack Adams shoes shoe-ins, but nobody's like ta- asking like, you know, how, how are the Islanders doing this? They're 12 games in now and they, they're going from trots to Lambert and like, what's mm-hmm. different about this team. And we just haven't seen that at all. 
even though just about everything is different. Yeah, somebody somebody came at me this week about, oh, this team looks the same from what I've seen. Well, I could tell you that I've watched this team for 20, 30 some odd years, including all of the last couple, and this is a very different team. Uh, last note on the Detroit game, the each team had 26 shots on goal. Obviously, Billy Huso saved all 26 of them. Uh, Detroit also had 24 blocks, so that's how you know. <laughs> How that game went, and they they blocked almost as many shots as they saw. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of story of the game. But the good news was the two games that they had played uh, prior to that, which were a three one win over the Blackhawks and a five two win over the Blues. The Blackhawks game, you know, we could talk about real quick. The Islanders were mainly in control for the whole time. They also drew the ire of that fan base by Casey Zizekas kind of barreling into Alex Stalock trying to score a goal. Five minute major in a game misconduct got thrown out of the game, and I was, of course like, oh man, now they're gonna play that's Zizekas. But it worked. He ended up getting five thousand dollar fine too. Uh, Arvid Soderblom had to come in, who was their backup goalie, and uh, the Islanders really didn't let up. They scored a power play goal in that game. The Blackhawks tried to you know turn the pressure up, but Nelson scored. The one goal against was unbelievable tip in by Jonathan Taves, who was standing in the slot. He must have been about eight feet in front of the net. He tipped the shot in on the power play past Sorokin. Eh, what are you going to do? It just happens. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty strong game for the Islanders. And uh, Sorokin also very, very strong. Uh, I mean, he barely made any saves throughout the first two periods. He ended up with 21 saves. And uh, that was that was a pretty dominating performance. The Blackhawks aren't particularly good, but that was, that was fun. And especially, you know, coming after the three wins in a row, you wondered, well, how they're going to do on the road, but man, they did really well. <laughs> they came out and beat a beatable opponent, which is something you really like to see. Yeah, they they kept that game on script, which is what you got to do against yeah. a team like that. Like when you're playing the Blackhawks or the Coyotes or the Flyers, um, yeah. you know, these kind of bottom feeders. You just you need to keep the game on your terms, even if you go down one nothing or it's tied late or whatever, and just kind of keep hoping that, and at the end of the day, you your talent and being a better team kind of wins out, and they did it. And, um, yeah, I thought that, I, I mean, that's this thing was wild to me because <laughs> not to get into a whole thing, but the, the beat writer who was saying that he should have been suspended, <laughs> like, and like went on a kind of whole, like Sherman's March about getting Casey Zizekas right. on the team that he covers suspended was very strange. Um, because I, sure it, it was a penalty and Zizekas didn't do anything to like move around stay lock or and and i think that you have to give a penalty on that play i'm look if it was Elias sorokin like i'd and jonathan taze did that i would maybe have been in chicago on the next flight or something to try to find him so i get it but i mean when when you take a look at it you're like this is not a, a suspendable play right and the more i thought about it, i'm like the the more i was like this is not a play that i would have kicked somebody out of the game i've seen you see plays like that happen all the time and i don't know if i've ever seen anybody uh get the boot for it maybe it's like a new thing but um yeah that was very strange the way it was covered was strange i think the only there was like one person who happens to cover the team who thought that that was going to be a a suspension uh was and like i said it was very strange but then the the way that they responded was really impressive because that middle six that the the bow Brock and Lee line mm. uh, and then the, the, the triple P line with Parisi Palmieri and uh, Pajot, they were really good. They were awesome. In that game. Yeah. yeah and, and Parisi Palmieri and Pajot as a unit. I mean, today, today, notwithstanding, I think have been really good together. Um, mm. 
they, they just work. I mean, and it makes sense. Like those are three guys who, who have all been acquired from outside the organization, uh, which is funny that, the, that they end up playing together and, and, and it's working because uh, like, even if, if you told me like six years ago that eventually JG Pajot, Kyle Palmieri and Zach Parisi would be playing in a line together for a team. I'd be like, yeah, no, that make, those three players make a lot of sense together. And, and I would be like, yeah, like, I feel like when, when teams go out at the trade deadline, in in uh you know stanley cup contenders and they they're buyers at the trade deadline and they're like oh they're just looking for that like middle six forward mm-hmm. all three of those guys are like what comes to mind like you sure. know they just really yeah. want like the <laughs> if, if they're looking for a center they're like you know who they'd really love obviously you can't have it because his contract is like a jg Pajot, like a and then like mm-hmm. on the other side like just you know a smart heady kind of dogged player like zach parisi or a guy who can chip in you know and, and get hot in the playoffs like kyle paul Berry. like that is those three to me are like quintessential right. uh final pieces to the puzzle for a team so the fact that they they work together as a line makes sense yeah um parisi had an empty net goal in that game against the blackhawks and, yeah, it, was and it was great because it was beautiful empty net goal you know was rewarded for really a great game and another thing that i found funny this week is that uh when they play through the midwest people who root for those teams really 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 hate Zach Parisi like they just can't you know for us it's great having him we talked about this last week we love having him here it feels like destiny it feels like it's right and for these guys who have watched that Parisi feast on their teams with Minnesota uh it's uh different they don't feel the same they don't feel the the you know uh the love for Zach Parisi going back to his uh not his home but like his sort of ancestral home where his dad's, you know, playing plays uh, the same way that uh, other players get. So I just thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, how could you hate this guy? We love yeah. him. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Score 400 goals, whatever, with a team that you play six times a year. So I get that. Uh, anyway, so, but yeah, that was a good game. You know, again, the the, the way you put it is perfect. It followed the script, um, which is not what happened in St. Louis two nights later. There was no script. They threw the script out. Uh, it was all blues right up front. Well, sorry. Let's go back. Let's back it up a couple of games. So the blues had lost five in a row. And I said to you via text, I'm like, I don't really see St. Louis losing six in a row. There was all kinds of like meetings. Doug Armstrong came out and said, we're not firing coach Baruby. Players are going to have to figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what like trades they could even make. A bunch of dudes are hurt. Jordan Bennington is up to his antics. We'll talk about him again in a second. And so sure enough, they started out. It was all blues for 15 minutes. It was all blues. And uh, Sorokin basically stood on his head. Tarasenko scored uh, off of an insane board bounce, which also happened a lot in Detroit today, too. Uh, somebody sent the puck in and it bounced basically off the backboards behind the net and right to Tarasenko and he scored. And it wasn't much Sorokin could do about it. Uh, but he did make a six save on, on Jake Neighbors. The Islanders turned up a little bit and ended up finishing up on shots in that period, but it was all blues. I mean, that's just how it was. And you figured, okay, well, that makes sense. And like I said before, I've seen the Islanders play this kind of game where they come out, they they run the entire show, and then it's, they're only up one nothing, And there's still two-thirds of the game left. And sure enough, the second period was all Islanders. In fact, the first 10 minutes, the Islanders scored four goals. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Palmieri scored 14 seconds in, again, from Peugeot. Again, that line was fantastic in that game, too. So Nelson then scores off a beautiful feed from Dobson, who sent it to Lee over the across the net mouth to Nelson who scored one of the prettiest goals we've seen the Islanders score in a very, very long time. Uh, and then Lee gets his own goal uh, after Nelson came from behind the net. And then Bailey pushes the goal, pushes the puck is like a little bit of a scrum. He kind of pushes 
the puck up and then um, uh, Nick, Nick Letty knocks it in. So right there, four goals, boom, 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 boom in 10 minutes. And all of a sudden what had been a dominating blues game, all of a sudden is a, they're losing four, one to the Islanders that Lee got into a fight and you're like, Oh boy, here we go. Now they're going to lose it. And there was a bit of a, a pushback from the blues. Nick Letty did score eventually, but it was called back for interference. And uh, that was it. They played great in the third period. They played, dare I say, Trotsy in defense in the third period. They, you know, gave up a couple of shots from outside, but were very mobile and, and were quick on pucks. And then J.G. Pajot scored a beautiful, another beautiful empty net goal from 190 feet or so away. And uh, it was great. Uh, Sorokin made 32 saves. Again, many of them in the first period. He had another great windmill save in the third. He did get bumped. By Jordan Bennington, we've all seen this now because Bennington is a psycho, and I don't think Ilya knew what he was doing, who knew who Jordan Bennington was, knew <laughs> wondered why he was doing this. He got a pat on the back from Romanov, and uh, it all ended up, you know, whatever head games. And, and our friend Steve Smith put it great at, at Lighthouse Hockey. If you want to play effective head games as a goalie, you really should start by being a good goalie first. And right now, Jordan Bennington is not that. And so... The head games didn't really go anywhere. I'm surprised. I was surprised he came out for the third, to be honest. Um, but uh, again, it was didn't follow the script. But that was a hugely satisfying win. I mean, it's hard to really say what we, you know, we talked last week about. What was the most satisfying? This this would be right up there if you pick this over either the Avalanche, Hurricanes, or or Rangers games. I wouldn't be surprised. Like this, that was a pretty good game. And you know, the Islanders really that second period was was beautiful and a real a real example of what they can do. Uh, when they're all pulling in the same direction, which is, you know, again, the, the sort of kryptonite for this team. That, that's what they need to do. And when they do it, boy, they can be pretty good. <laughs> so that was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I, I, would te- I was texting my friend, like, right in the middle of that third, uh, first period barrage from the Blues was that, you know, this, this game really, really reminds me of, of the Islanders last year during their losing streak where they're playing well and you just do not trust them to keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they were and they were only at one nothing. They were getting you know the goalie to to an extent by Sorokin, and mm-hmm. um, you just knew that for a team that's fighting it like they were, that the first chance that the Islanders had to get themselves back into this game, they were going to take it, and it felt good to be on the other side of something like that, uh, for sure. Uh, the the game itself, I thought, yeah, like every everybody seemed to be going in the right direction, and and you said this about. Uh, it was a Trotsy in third period. I thought there there were kind of elements of that in the Blackhawks game and the Blues game, and that's this is kind of what I'm alluding to with the the Lambert stuff. Is um, Jim Montgomery had a had a quote about this the Bruins and how they're they're playing and how he's very fortunate to kind of come into this team that was already playing such good defensive hockey, uh, so he didn't really have to touch the defense. And I, I just you know I know I know Lambert at, at was here, so he he knows but i just really want to know if if and there are some people out there who could probably tell me this that listen to this podcast like if, if there's anything different it does because it doesn't seem like it <laughs> um they, like they they seem to be playing that trotsy and defensive style yeah. um with the one exception of when they get the puck it's they're much more um uh, you know they're much quicker to to transition if that's what it feels like um in their own zone at least so uh yeah kudos to that like to their to the defense Sorokin I thought was so good in that first period uh if the Islanders probably had any other goalie in the league and in, in, in that in goal in that game like we could be talking about a three nothing uh situation and and a much different game 
Uh, and then the yeah the Bennington thing, like he's he he seems to not not be a well liked guy, and it seems to be a pretty well earned reputation. I know like the hockey Twitter people really don't like him. I, I I'm, not, I'm not totally sure why. I can't remember, and I'm sorry if mm. if I I'm I'm like glossing over something he did. Um, but like everybody see everybody, not just Islander fans seem to like jump on that little thing, yeah. um, which I thought was kind of funny because uh, I I didn't I just I knew he wasn't he he drew the ire of people and like I said I am sorry if I'm missing something uh, but uh, I was shocked at how many people were talking about it right after it happened um, but my favorite part of the whole thing was the Romanov Sorokin thing it, it was very it was almost like Goodwill Hunting <laughs> at the end of a at the end of, of the Goodwill Hunting and sorry for a spoiler if you've never seen it but like the the Robin Williams scene where where he like tells Matt Damon it's not your fault. Like, because mm. so, Rokic just seems like the most, you know, just the best, you know, most delightful person. Right. Um, and then he gets bumped. And like you said, he didn't do anything bad to deserve it. So I was wondering if he, you know, he thought like, oh, man, like, did I do something to make him upset? I hope I hope I didn't do something to like make make my goalie fellow goalie union member upset. And then Romanov was just like, no, it's not your fault, man. You know, it's not <laughs> your fault. Um, and yeah, they walked in together. Was just, that was just a really touching kind yeah. of little thing. And um, speaking of Romanov and. and my friend Mike Broly was one who pointed this out to me that, you know, he's, he really does seem like he's Roman Hammerlick incarnated, reincarnated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, Romanov Hammer, Hammerlick, like he's, he is, is so much fun to watch. And I think Islander fans have signed a waiver before, you know, with this guy, like if you're going to love him, you're going to, the waiver is, you know, you, you accept his faults. And one of his faults is the dude is just a heat seeking missile missile. And he will, absolutely take himself out of a play to deliver a punishing hit and that is going to come back to bite the islanders it'll probably cost them a point or two in the season like at a bad time in the third period um but you signed the waiver like we all love this guy and and (laughs) he's i think it was buchnevich or barbish i can't remember who it was but he just lined that person up at the blue line from Mm. it 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 looked like a mag a magnet was pulling him towards him he just flew across the zone to, to deliver a hit at the blue line on him and uh it was great uh i, I mean yeah. I, i'm falling more and more in love with that guy uh every day and i i loved him even before they came and he just is as as advertised <laughs> like everybody who reached out to us and, and the whole conversation was like you're gonna you're gonna love this guy you're just gonna love yeah. him he's a little nuts but you're gonna love him and he's yeah he is ticking every box the uh the hammerlock comparison is great He's going to need to add a little bit more offense to that game to be, because when I think of hammer, like I think of yeah. offense, I think I see but, it's, I feel like it's coming. Like he's jumping yeah, into play. Too, yeah. I think he's, he's got, there was that one, was that against the Blackhawks where he was like wide open? Uh, and he had a yeah. shot. I think, I can't remember if it was Barzell set him up. Like he had the entire side of the ice. Everyone was like puck watching. Mm. He jumped in from the point and had all day to pick a spot. But if he had just like one timed it, he probably would have scored into an empty net. Um, I think I think it was Black House. I think Soderblom made the save on him. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of have faith that it's coming. Oh, yeah. Um, but he, he definitely is a bit of a wild ride, which, again, is a very Hammerlick like quality. It was definitely good. He's definitely he's able to move and skate. And, and I think the chemistry with with Dobson is, is really there. They, they seem to part, pair well with each other after a couple of wild games. But I can see it happening. But it, until he's taking those slappers from the, on the point of the power play, like the hammer like he used to do, <laughs> which were, were so much fun. Again, he, he was a, a wild adventure, but uh, we'll have to see that. Um, while we're shouting out young players, I do want to mention Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, hasn't scored in a while. 
Uh, he has, I think, played well, though, and he's doing things that I know this is another thing that hockey Twitter people hate and it's going to make eyes roll. But he, I'm noticing that he's really doing those little things that coaches really love. He's back checking. He's retrieving pucks. He's, you know, playing hard. He had a he had a big block. And I think the Blues game in that first period where they were dominating, he kind of like sprawled out to block a shot. Um, you know, he, he had some moments today. He stuck up for Barzell uh, in the Red Wings game today. So he's doing those little things that coaches love to see and keep people in the lineup. Now, the other lines for the Islanders, again, before today against the Red Wings, were working pretty well. So I didn't think he was going to, you know, in danger of being moved off of Barzell's line. And I do think that at some point they are going to really start to click. They had another two-on-one today that just didn't – obviously, no, they didn't score at all. But, uh, it, it, you know, it, it'll come there. And I, I, I give – Oliver credit for doing that because these are, you know, it's stupid. Maybe it's a little bit reductive, but you know, this is what coaches want to see. You, you're going to go out and back check. You're going to go out and retrieve pucks. You're not just going to like kind of sit and watch. Uh, that's the stuff that's going to keep you in the lineup for good or bad. So good on Wallstrom for recognizing that and, uh, and making it work for him. So it's nice yeah. to see. Yeah. He, I think he, he, that line also is kind of working in a, in a weird way. Cause it hasn't really been all that productive besides Josh Bailey's uh, you know, like pool, like billiard style goal from the red line, <laughs> yeah. which was yeah. incredible. It was uh, really more Nick Letty's goal than Josh Bailey's goal. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Uh, yeah. Um, but like, it's just, it's the first few games with that, that top line with Palmieri, Barzell, and then Parisi, and then the kind of rotating door, just, it, it was not that it was a net negative. It just felt like one. Cause they, they just never really even got to the, almost goal stage like yeah. it it got to the almost almost goal stage with them like parisi uh barzell would pick a pass for palmary and palmary would be not near it um yeah. and you're like oh man if he if they had read off of one another palmary it stayed put like that would they would have at least had an almost goal with with yeah. wallstrom and bailey they're they can read barzell better it seems like yeah. their games are just suited better. Like he did today with the the one timer uh, from Wallstrom in the third period from Barzell, where he found him as a drifter on a on man rush. Right. When he like you alluded to the play that he undressed somebody that, that was Ben Sherrod, yes. and that was his play. Yeah. So there does seem that that's great. Like the the line still like they're all pulling the same direction. The fourth line was good. Yeah, uh, mm. the, the the fact that Russ Johnson played the game where Sezikis got kicked out was a little bit of a wrinkle that we didn't need. Um, I don't, you know, Ross has showed some glimpses, glimpses over the past two seasons, I think where you can say like, you know what? Like I get it. Like I get why he's around um, in his limited time. I I would say that those uh, have not shown yet. Uh, once again, though, it is very limited ice time. Um, oh, and I was also thinking about this with during the, the, this little stretch was, how long ago does that Nikita Sashnikov turnover for the goal with like one second feel like? Because oh my god, when the Islanders were in that, about that. <laughs> yeah, when the Islanders were in that losing streak, remember we we're like, you know, the win over Sh- the Sharks was on Tuesday. That was like four days ago, right. and now look at the season's over. And right, right now, I'm thinking that that feels like it was in a different season. That Sashnikov turnover that turned into the Nick Paul goal, um, mm. because it, it does they do look like a different team. Um, yeah, you know, Nelson's been really good. Uh, I think that Lee's been really good. I, th- I think everyone's just kind of pulling in the, in, like you said, in the right direction. Uh, to, I think Aho is probably only player that you could say is having like a little bit of a. Yeah, but I, I but thought he, he, he is what good. he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? It, he, he, you know, I think I said this last year about Leo Komarov is Leo just doesn't need to 
play with a stick. Like he he feels I feel like the only <laughs> player in the NHL who probably would be just as effective without a stick. Right. Um, I I feel like Aho plays hockey and just doesn't understand what the concept of the puck is. Like he doesn't understand <laughs> like this this thing is kind of central to the theme of hockey. Yeah. Um, where you this is the thing you want to pass to your teammates or shooting the in the other net and like you don't want the other team to have it. Um, mm. because he just he's it's not that he's he's like care like like a a wild card like uh you know freelancer who's just like taking making risky plays it's just a lot of times like he has simple plays that he just bungles somehow because he just feels like he doesn't he doesn't understand yeah. how important the puck is um yeah. and th- that's continues like that. yeah, yeah he's Again, it, but another adventurous uh player basically you know but in a weird way like not in, not in like the matt barzell way where he's like trying to make these crazy oh, yeah. plays and, and he's like you know uh who's a splatter paint guy uh, like that oh, kind uh, of Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock, like like Sebastian Aho is like you know a sixth grader who's like just they're, they're like just color inside the lines, you know, and, and yeah. you're you're gonna pass. Just color inside the lines, and and some like he gets distracted by something outside the window and leaves yeah. his crayon on the the paper, and the next thing you know, he's outside the lines. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's but he but like I should I should say though at the same time like he's the sixth defenseman. Like I'm not ex- nobody should be expecting the world out of him. Yeah. I would like to see Salo draw in again, and they do have back-to-backs coming up. And actually, we'll, we'll talk about them right now because uh, maybe we'll see some lineup changes real quick. So uh, they do have a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, Calgary and the Rangers. Both of them are 7 o'clock starts. Calgary's at home, uh, or UBS Arena, I should say, in the game against Rangers at the Garden. Um, you know, these are uh, two tough challenges. Uh, I know, yes, yeah, okay, fine, they shut out the Rangers the last time, but that we all know that game means a hill of beans, so let's forget about it. But they can beat the Rangers, as they've seen. Calgary's got a really, really good lineup, but they've laid some eggs lately. They let Seattle come back from from being down to win. They got run out of their own building by Nashville the other day, which nobody saw coming. So, and to do it on back to back nights is going to be tough. So, that's going to be a real tough double right there, Monday, Tuesday. But then Thursday they got the Coyotes at home. Saturday they got the Blue Jackets at home. Both of those are seven thirty starts. And then Monday, and I'll talk a little bit about this again in a second, uh, they are actually in Ottawa for a 5.30 start uh, on Monday. I guess it's a holiday in Canada, so mark your calendars accordingly. Those are three games, quite frankly, that you need to win. Like, those, they need to win those three games. And so they've lost now to Detroit. Hey, what are you going to do? It's the end of a road trip. Nothing went right for you. It happens. If they can get one of these two against Calgary and the Rangers and then win those three, we're right back to kind of where we were before. Uh, again, if things, hopefully things don't spiral out of control, but you know, once again, I feel like maybe playing the Rangers is just at the right time because <laughs> it always seems to, to, to light a spark. But, uh, how do you see this, this week shaping up here? It's a weird grouping, you know, Eastern yeah. conference, Western conference, good, bad kind of middle. So it, there's a lot going on here, but, uh, this could also be a, a huge stretch for them, even though it's early in the season. Yeah, I think you, you said it. A, a, something that crossed my mind which is that they could be catching the rangers at the exact right time uh because yeah. they'll uh that that calgary game is, is far from an easy one to win right. and that's why you know i i said the the comment about how we're all just every loss is horrifying and terrifying and <laughs> even if it comes on the heels of a five game losing streak because you look at the next two and you're like dang like mm-hmm. uh you know that's that's not an you know that that could be zero and two pretty easily, um, but and then you're looking at a three game losing streak again. So that's right. what's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> and you know I go and you are too. Like you go back uh, to the vintage of 
you know, hearing Howie Rose after the Islanders would play the Rangers on a Tuesday. And then on Thursday, they'd travel to, to Ottawa or to Nashville and yeah. Howie Rose would, would welcome you in on, on FSNY. And with his, like, you know, that opening monologue, like, you know, the Islanders are taking on the predators looking to shake the, the curse of the post Rangers game. Like mm. Malay. Yeah. They're just hang They're one 18, four and and two in their last 26 games after after a ranger game and i like rick di pietro will look to to get him back on track with uh, and you know who's been red hot is chris simon like you, you you just like would hear that and you're like god damn it um and i and frankly i haven't heard talk of that curse in a long time but i still get spooked by every post ranger game because of that mm-hmm. and they've obviously already won one mm-hmm. this season but um yeah like the my goal for this this week or or my hope for this week is that we just don't have to play any must win games right like because that means that they've taken a win from that this little back to back and um then taking care of business against Arizona Columbus but they they go and two against the Rangers and Flames and then Arizona games becomes a must win or if, even if it's like 1-1 one, one, and 1 and then 3 like that that Columbus game becomes a little scary and so uh I just hope that none of them are uh, must win games cuz you know <laughs> frankly I I thought the you know this Blues game the Blues game of the bunch was was going to be the most pivotal because uh yeah. of of what loomed uh, and they passed it so they got that one done but I I mean I I just don't want any more must win games for for the next few uh few days here but uh there's definitely potential for him i got bad news for you you may be rooting for the wrong team i don't know <laughs> <Is> there, <laughs> yeah i mean we've already had i, I, yeah. I think they're th- i think by my count yeah. they're four they're four and one in must win games yeah. this season um, i would say that the red wings game that we spent you know 15 minutes lamenting is probably the least must win game exactly season, you know and that's that's just, that's it felt yeah. like it. I was wondering if that's right. maybe what the team thought too like look we won five yeah, it's possible. we're on the they had one, yeah they're on the road they go home trip. Yeah, like you know, we were out at Matt Martin's house in, across the Detroit <laughs> River last night, like or something. But uh, yeah. it's uh, it it does it did feel that way, and and it it kind of played out that way too. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, even, the, even the, Monday versus Calgary might fall into that bucket too. But then Tuesday versus right, the Rangers exactly. is it, definitely it gets, a must win. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it gets ratcheted up uh, for right. sure. Uh, but like if they if they win that Calgary game, that Ranger game all of a sudden becomes the you know it's the Rangers, so you you can't not. Right. It can't not yeah, be exactly. one, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I can kind of not worry about this one for a little bit. Right. But, right. uh, and, and this all kind of goes back to the fact that, uh, you know, everyone kind of going into the season just assumed that the NHL, what we saw to the NHL last year was the norm, which is not mm. what it is. Like, you usually don't see t- eight teams in, the, in one conference just qualify for the playoffs by the time Santa comes. Like, uh, right. it's, it's an absolute, you know, race already. It's I think it's the the Bruins are the outlier at twenty, and then you got the Blue Jackets yeah. at six, and everyone else is yeah. between uh sixteen and eight. And there's one between uh one, two, three, four. I think there's seven teams, or yeah, eight mm-hmm. teams right now. And, and we're recording this before most of the Saturday night games, so this will change. But there's eight teams between fourteen and twelve points, uh, if I'm yeah. counting that right. Like so, basically half the conference is at either 12 13 or 14 points right now right. um right. but even if a bunch of teams win tonight right still yeah, in just, there. like they're exactly not, you know. and <laughs> and and this is like nobody another thing nobody was saying before the season was like yeah that's just not how it goes like it, you can't just pencil in the maple Leafs for 116 points because they got 115 last year and you can't do it you can't say the same thing for the panthers or 
you know, the lightning or whoever, like it, you, you end up having to play. And when you yeah. play, people get hurt and, and, or, you know, the flu bug goes around the team and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, that's, that makes these games like a little less, like games like today, a little less frightening. Um, because, you know, if this was last year and the Islanders were watching the, the Capitals and Rangers and Hurricanes and even the Blue Jackets at the beginning of the season, like just not lose games, you're like, God damn, like you still got to beat the Red Wings. Like, but now it's yeah. just, it, it, you think you said it like this was the least must win game so far of the season. And yet it still sucked. Yeah. 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 We could- yeah I mean, it ruined my day and, and Everton was playing at the same time and they played like shit too. So it was like, <laughs> I was like flipping back and forth, just watching these two teams dog yeah. it. That's just exactly how it goes. But I have some good news. So we, I do have something that can cheer everybody up, which is the great thing. So this is actually a supersized episode. Uh, you know, normally we would cover the next week in the second half. But today, uh, for the second half, we have a very special treat. I was able to have a conversation with Ron Asselstein, who was an NHL and WHA linesman for 25 years, from the early 70s to the late 90s. And he's got some great stories, a lot of Islanders stuff. He was on the ice for Bossy's 50 and 50 goal. He was on the ice tonight. Uh, Ed Hospodar got his face rearranged by Clark Gillies. He's got some great stories about the Sutters. And, of course, he's got some great WHA stories as well. So that's the entire second half of this episode. So please listen to it. It's absolutely fantastic. Ron is just about the nicest guy in the world. We had a ton of technical issues getting it together, which is why Mike isn't there. Because when we tried to get all three of us on, it was one thing after another and we and couldn't it, make it. But work. it did lead to a Josh Bailey special episode. It did. It did, which yeah. worked out. So it worked out in a way for everybody. So, uh, but it's a great interview. So please listen to it. It's, it, you know, it's the second half of this one right here. Uh, and it's great. Check it out. A uh, couple other things real quick. Uh, so we are going to record after that Senators game on Monday, the 14th. I had a bit of a scheduling issue on Sunday. So with their game being a little earlier on Monday, we figured, all right, let's just do it Tuesday and and talk then and then they have a day off on wednesday anyway so everybody's got kind of a whole day to to listen so there won't be a new episode next sunday slash monday it'll happen on tuesday night slash wednesday so that's just a bit of a programming note for you also new episode of weird islanders is out right now it's mike and i and our friend mike basili from lighthouse hockey mike b and we talk about three weird islanders uh who all have relatives and family members who are way, way, way more famous than they are. So check it out. We had a great time, a lot of great clips in there too. And uh, it was it was a great episode. So definitely check it out. We called it Relatively Famous, but the the guys in there, trust me, you, you may not know them, but you definitely know the guys that they're related to because they're all pretty famous. So Weird Islanders is out now, a uh, new episode, second episode of the season. So check that out. Uh, okay, so uh, with that, uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with, with two E's and... Um... Yeah, if you, I, I, this has been a fun week or a fun start mm. to the season for uh, the, you know, the contingent of people who I talk to throughout the day about the, the Maple Leafs and uh, <laughs> what's going going on. And, and, and I was actually thrilled that they lost to the, uh, they beat the Flyers because I was getting a little worried there uh, that, mm. that they were, if they lost that game, uh, Keith would be fired and we'd be, have to deal with Barry Trotz going to Toronto, which uh, seems to have cooled down. Um mm. But well, did yeah, you but, listen to the uh, him with uh, the Bob McCown thing? Uh, I'm too scared. No, it's actually not bad. He talks about how he moved to Nashville uh, because of the taxes. So he likes staying there because the taxes are better than they are in New York, which makes sense, but doesn't ah. seem to bode well for <laughs> a John move Hines. up north. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too. He wants to get into management. So, I mean, I feel like okay. 
don't know. He, I wouldn't say he threw cold water on moving to the Leafs. He did talk about wanting to coach an original six team, but I think that was okay. Good. A bit yeah. Um, but I mean, it's been fantastic. Like the awesome, like even when they won that awesome Matthews thing, yeah. um, came out and, and that was the first thing I thought about during the Red Wings game when Barzell got lit up and Wallstrom jumped him and then yeah. Josh Bailey's in there. It's like, I was like, it's, you know, this is, this is, this is great that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like the, I, you know, for just one more minute here about the, the, uh, the Leafs is that, that there's something so special about the, the two, the two part series to every Leafs bottom six forward since Kyle Dubas has arrived, which is they sign him to a veteran minimum contract one year in the summer. And people treat that like it's, a genius thing that he only he does. Zach Parisi. This guy is, yeah. He, he's Zach the perfect Parisi. addition. The perfect addition. And at, 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 at that cap hit, you just can't say no. Like that's just really good. That's just really good business. Tidy and they don't, piece of business. Yeah. They don't take, they don't take a look, look around the league that, yeah. I mean, every, every mm-hmm. bottom six player on the planet is, is on like a $1 million contract or less. I think Kubel yeah. oh, was on 1 million too. Uh, but uh <laughs> Then, then, then they all convince themselves like that that this guy is gonna be like I remember mm-hmm. Travis Boyd, I remember it with Galchenyuk, mm-hmm. I'm now Abe Kubel that this guy is gonna be like in, a game changer because Michael Bunting, mm-hmm. who by the way was from Toronto and said he wanted to go to Toronto, like that's why he took that deal. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like the, the, the Leafs went out and found this gem. He scored like 20 goals with the 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 Coyotes, maybe not 20, but like on a 25 goal pace. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then they get waived and you never hear the the folks that at the athletic who called them, uh, you know, Aaron, I remember when Aaron Dell signed to be their third goalie during the COVID year, the, the number three goalie. That's Corey Schneider for the Islanders. That's like Keith Kincaid for the Bruins. No, you don't hear other fan bases talk about those goalies ever that Aaron Dell was like a huge, you know, that's a really smart move by Dubas. And then they get waived and nobody ever says, yeah, hmm. turns out, yeah. Uh, turns out. Kyle missed that one because uh, yeah. if he doesn't if he doesn't make a trade to quote unquote rectify his mistake, they mm-hmm. just they just pretend it didn't happen and nobody says ah, man maybe I maybe I overstated how important <laughs> Nicholas Aubey Kubel who's been waived by you know half the teams in the league now Adam Gaudet <laughs> who's still I think on the Marlies that meant well, to you, least- you, you said his name before Alex Galchenyuk he got a whole feature in the Athletic about how the Leafs fixed him that was the word. How the Leafs fixed Alex Galchenyuk. And by the end of that season, he was playing for another team. Like, he didn't get fixed. Oh, and how could we forget when the Leafs picked up Josh Hosang? This was this was going to be uh-huh. a great move. They're really tapping into so, you know, some potential that, that was never you utilized. Bet on talent. If you, this is why you yeah. bet on talent. Yeah. You know, stupid Islanders never saw the, the, the beautiful butterfly that Josh was. And it's going to take a team like the Leafs to bring it out of him and make him into an NHL player. And now he's in Russia. So, oh, so good. It's just, but, and, <laughs> and, and, like, and, and like I said, nobody ever says, yeah. Yeah. There's never uh, any follow. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I overstated this one. Maybe, 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 maybe uh, you know, every team in the NHL has players who are like this. <laughs> uh, it's great. So, uh, you know, they, yeah. sorry, I know this is going long and I apologize for that. No, but one right. last, one last thing I got to say is, the 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 best part of it all is that everyone's kind of waking up to just how unlikable the players on this team are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good. Like, uh, but right. for some reason, being good has the past since I don't know since really Con- the Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews drafts. Like, being good has kind of excused you, like 
from being like personable or affable. Uh, like if you're good, like you're automatically just like this well-liked person because your number, your, your charts look good. Uh, and that's really all that people care about. Um, but these guys are just a miserable bunch. Like, like Mitch Marner is, has already made his coach like walk back to apologies or, or apologize mm. to him twice, basically like this is, and then you got the, the Matthews thing. This is a really, really, uh, you know, unlikable group of players. And it's taken mm. so long for people to realize it, but they're starting to, and it's, and, and a lot of it is Marner uh, and friend of the program, Elliot Freeman had pointed that out, that like, you know, I don't really think this guy like deals with this stuff particularly well. And then he always says like, this isn't right. a criticism, but like, I just don't think Marner is that kind of guy. Um, Which is fair. Like that's, right. that's fine. And it's tough when you're that guy and you don't, you know, you're playing in a, in a, a media circus that like Toronto, but at the same time, like this guy's not a kid. Like he's got to right. learn how to deal with this kind of stuff. That, well, that's, <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, they, like this is the most coddled group of players I've ever seen. Right. Like, and people are starting to realize like, Oh, you know, maybe we should stop doing this because mm. we've yeah. now let them get away with, you know, six mm. first round exits in a row. Uh, and, and get and whatever like they can do whatever they want so i'm just happy that people are kind of noticing that like they're not cool like like yeah. they're not they're not cool dudes uh you know matt barzell is 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 a much cooler dude than that mitch marner is i also i also noticed that the uh the captain is the guy who takes seemingly the least amount of criticism he did have a hat trick <laughs> the other day against the flyers so good for him but uh i was listening to kipper and born on Sportsnet, which i try and do when the leafs are losing and uh they said that, you know, they, what they need is a guy to stand up in the locker room and say, no more, boys. We're we're pulling together <laughs> and we're doing this thing. And, uh, well, you know, Tavares isn't going to do it. And then Nick Kiprios <laughs> was like, isn't that a little sad that the captain of the team isn't the type of guy to do that? And then Bourne was just like, yep, yep. And that was it. And then they went to commercial. And that was the end of that. <laughs> So then he came out and scored a hat trick. So maybe maybe he heard. I don't know. But uh, oh yeah, I guess the that was that was great. Like it, the fact yeah. that it was against the Flyers on a back to back, and their backup yeah. goalie playing was the perfect kind of schedule spot for this to happen. Because right. like I said, like I'm happy. I'm truly happy they won that game. I was really mm-hmm. worried about the trot stuff. So them them winning that game kind of like took the heat off. And the yeah. best part is like nobody nobody dared say like. Oh, mm. just just context here. The Flyers, they stink, and mm. and they're playing on back to back. And the reason that they've won games is their goaltender is playing at a Vezina level, and he happened just to have the night off. So right. and nobody nobody really mentioned <laughs> that, which which I'm like, this is perfect. Like yeah. I think Jonas Siegel on the next night on the Athletic wrote a star a story about how the Stars are like pulling the Leafs through this this mess. Yeah. Like dude, they're on a one game winning streak, and that one game yeah. came against the Flyers. It's really- it's it's really and they'll never know. I mean, I've said this yeah. before on the show. They'll they'll never know that they're a parody of themselves. And so I turn in times like this to another famous hockey writer, Larry Brooks, who once said, and "I wish I could quote him directly, but it's something to the effect of people keep telling me about Austin Matthews being a charming person, but I have yet to see it." <laughs> <laughs> so, Larry, Larry, you and I are are, are uh, aligned in this sort of way. So anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll, I was going to also bring up uh, World Cup is starting soon. So listen to Mike, uh, his podcast at the Wonder Goal. Lots of stuff going on there. So check that out. And of course, read all his work at Action Network. All right. So coming up after the break is my chat with NHL and WHA linesman Ron Asselstein. So enjoy. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, vintageicehockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and jerseys featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. You're about to hear a lot about WHA teams, so if the fancy strikes you and you want to go buy some WHA merch, guess where you can get it? VintageIceHockey.com. They also carry our Al Arbor and the Island merch. And as always, our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code ANXIETY to save 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They have a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was voted a 2022 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. Listen to me. It's November. You're going to start having Thanksgiving parties. Go out and buy yourself some Pinot Project wine. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. It is sold at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Every bottle is under 15 bucks, and it's great. Please drink responsibly and learn more at thepinoproject.com. My guest tonight was an NHL and WHA official for 25 years. He's got about a million stories to tell and 1,364 regular season games, 86 playoff games. You probably know his name. You've probably seen him before, and he's got a ton of stories that he's going to share with us. And his name is Ron Asselstein. Ron, how are you? Hi, Dan. How are you? Pleasure to be with you. I am very, very well. Uh, no one will ever know the links and the hoops that we had to jump through to get this interview. <laughs> and it's probably for the best. It well, when, you're, for... when you're when you're dealing with an with 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 an eye tech Neanderthal, it uh, <laughs> it makes things uh, twice as uh, twice as difficult in this uh, day and age. I have to tell you that um, you forgot to mention that I did 700 games in the WHA. So that's over 2000 that I did. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, I, no. just, I, I just wanted to mention that to you. That's oh, what. yeah. Well, no, we'll get to those because I have oh, a lot I of see. questions okay. about yeah. that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't worry about the, the technology. I feel like the people that design this probably can barely use it, too. Oh, that's uh, okay. But, uh, but I, again, I appreciate you coming on with me here. And uh, I think this Part is going to be a great conversation. We're going to talk a lot of Islanders, too, at some point. But uh, I do want to start at the beginning, and I want to get to how you first fell in love with hockey. Were, were you a backyard pond kind of kid, or was there a different origin story? Going no, on? no. Uh, uh, you know, my, my dad uh, put me on a, on a pair of skates when I was uh, four years old, so that would be back in 1950. And, um, and I took to the game real, uh, real quick, and uh, actually... I became actually a bit of a, a child prodigy here up in my hometown in Guelph. I was uh, touted to be a, you know, the next uh, sort of star. I was, a, mm. you know, a leading goal scorer in the league when I played in it. And then um, as I got older and got bigger, I got heavier and slower. And uh, next thing you know, uh, um, my hockey kind of went by the wayside um, when I was only about 15 years old. Then my new, my new uh, passion became uh, football. American uh-huh. football 
and I played uh, football in high school and then I played uh, junior varsity and uh, we won a, an all Ontario championship uh, in, uh, in junior varsity uh, in, a, in a town called Brantford. That's where Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yes, of course. And I played I played for a junior varsity team over there called the Brantford Bisons and uh, we won the all Ontario. So this kind of dovetails into my hockey. Uh, I was always a very good skater, uh, strong on my skates. Uh, but then, as I say, when I got to when I reached puberty and, and got to be bigger, I got slower. And then, of course, <laughs> any hockey dreams that I had about you know playing in the National Hockey League um, kind of went out the window. But um, uh, that my my skating ability did uh, hold me in good stead when I I turned to officiating. That was after my uh, uh, short uh, football career. I was actually quite quite good at the game. <laughs> I had a um, a tryout with um, the Montreal Alouettes. Um, oh wow. With yeah, with their with their rookie team uh, back in 1966, and uh, <laughs> I got my lunch handed to me, and I was <laughs> I was no, I, believe me, Dan, I was no uh, shrink and violent. I was right. uh, you know six foot one, uh, 230 pounds, and mm. uh, you know, but I was a, a big fish in a small pond, and but I went down to play against uh, collegiate uh, trained players from the states. And uh, young men with uh, wives and children, <laughs> and they kicked the hell out of me. And I thought, well, okay, I better go, go to Plan B. So I, I came home. Uh, you know, uh, I was single at the time. Uh, you know, rode my motorcycle, played played some, uh, you know, intermediate hockey, and and uh, you know, raised a bit of hell. And uh, mm -hmm. the next thing, next thing you know, I, I ran into Wendy, and we started to date, and. Uh, uh, one thing led to another, and I was um, uh, going to school uh, at, at the university and uh, started to do, you know, some officiating on the side just to, you know, just to make ends meet. We were, you know, we were a young married couple, and uh, I, I was trying to, you know, uh, subsidize my, my first year of university and mm -hmm. and uh, started making some, some extra change officiating and bingo. And it wow. just went from one thing to the next. And I worked a Memorial Cup in 72 and I signed with the WHA in the fall of that year. And then I officiated in professional hockey for uh, 20, uh, 25 years. Wow. So uh, seven years in the WHA and 18 years in the National League. So, mm. But, you know, I, I was really, really fortunate, uh, Dan, to be honest with you, uh, the Guelph Hockey Referees Association, the Amateur Association here in Guelph, uh, was um, set the gold standard for this whole area in in uh, developing young officials, and uh, mm -hmm. I had I had some really outstanding officials mentor me and take me under their wing, and uh, so it was um, I was very very fortunate, and it uh, you know and then I I went on to uh, do good things in the in my amateur uh, yeah. career, and then uh, and then I went in to be a pro, and I was a pro for 25 years, mm -hmm. and I did over over 2000 games counting yeah. the WHA and the NHL. Yeah. So well, when we first spoke, you said you were one of the first officials that was signed to the WHA. That must've been a pretty like wild time. Like all of a sudden yeah. here's this rebel league that is challenging the, the very established by that point, NHL. Uh, what was that like? Just kind of getting in into well, there. It, uh, when I worked the Memorial cup in 1972 um, in Ottawa, uh, there was um uh, the, the WHA was uh, scouting players and they were also scouting mm -hmm. officials and, and so was the National League. And actually, uh, Scotty Morrison, Mr. Morrison, who was the referee in chief at that time of the National Hockey League, uh, he offered me a contract. 
Mm. Uh, but he offered uh, offered me a contract and a level entry contract into the National Hockey League in 1972. But it was for substantially less money than what the WHA was offering. Yes. So yes, yeah. I, I, I said, he, you know, I told him, he said, would you mind telling me how much you're, you were you're, mm. they're offering you? And I, I told him it was, you know, it was uh, at that time uh, $10,000 plus $1,000 for playoffs, $11,000. <laughs> and he went and he went, oh, I, I can't. I can't pay it. He's, I got wow. guys in the league three, four years that aren't making that. And I said, wow. well, well, sir, what, what would you do? And he mm. said, I take it. He mm. says, do you have a family? I says, yes, my, my wife and I have, are, are, are planning on having a family. And, uh, and yes, uh, we're, it's, it's, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And he said, mm. I take it. Yeah. So I went to, I went to the WHA, I signed mm. and, 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 and sure enough, I go down to the Royal York hotel and, in Toronto and, and, and Bill Friday, who was, uh, uh, you know, one of the top NHL referees at the time, he signed a personal services contract with the league. And I was sitting out in the hallway and going, <laughs> waiting to go in to sign my contract. And, uh, he walked out and, and I, I stood up. Of course, I recognized him cause I'd seen him on TV and everything. Mm. And I said, Oh, Mr. Friday, my name is Ron Asseltine. And he goes, how you doing son? What brings you here? I says, well, I'm joining the any the uh, WHA uh, officiating staff, and he said, "Strap them on, son. It's going to be a hell of a ride." <laughs> well, well, that that was my next question. Is you know, I'm kind of fascinated by that that era, and like that was that must have been like the Wild West. I mean, it's a Rebel oh. League. These guys are you know, in some cases, have left the NHL. Bobby Hull, uh, yep. Bernie Perrant, or Derek yep. Sanderson, like all these guys have left, and uh, you know, and this and but hockey in the '70s was. Lots of fights, lots of dirty play. Mike Bossy always railed against this this sort of thing when he was in junior yep. and then in the in the NHL. So, I mean, did it feel like the Wild West? Did it feel like you were sort of like fighting against was, the tide a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was. Yeah, it was, Dan. It was, yeah. and, and of course we, you know, we we uh, uh, had we had to play in in, in the smaller rinks, sure. of, you know, old obsolete rinks that nobody else <laughs> used anymore. Like in Philadelphia, we had to play in a in that in, in an old beat beat up rink down in a really tough neighborhood and yeah the first the first night that uh, we they went on the ice Derek Sanderson was playing for the Philadelphia Blazers uh the Zamboni fell through the ice you know <laughs> I've heard the story yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I did that I did that game and mm. they were giving out these 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 orange pucks at the game mm. and when they when they canceled the place was full mm. and, and, and six or seven thousand people and when they canceled the game uh, they started hurling these pucks down on the ice, like, and these were these were real pucks. They weren't wow. made of they weren't made of styrofoam. These were real, and they were raining these orange. I still have one downstairs in my <laughs> collection down there. Yeah, I guess you got to keep up one, right? Yeah. So yeah, so one of the one of the famous quotes Bill Friday had the next day in the paper, um, they they asked him about uh, how good with how good was the ice, and he mm. said, "Well, it was it was." Uh, it was good enough for a gin and tonic, but it wasn't good enough to play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, That's yeah. Really funny. So that was, yeah. oh, and then we had, uh, like you say, um, there was, there were some real trying times, but I'll sure, tell you the sure. WHA near the end, we had some really good teams. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but they just couldn't financially, they just couldn't do it anymore. They, mm. you know, they, they, the end game for the, for those, for those teams, uh, uh, was to get into the National Hockey League, and because the National Hockey League was a closed shop, 
uh, not unlike uh, you know the National Football League and the American Football League. Mm. But the only problem, the only difference between there and and between that the Football League and and, and us was that the American League was able to tie down a national contract, the mm-hmm. American Football League, you know, and yeah. they and that of course now that brought the NFL to the table. But the WHA didn't didn't have a national a national yeah. TV contract, so they they just they just couldn't do it anymore. So. But you know what? Um, you know they picked up four teams from the WHA, yeah. and you know the the, the Oilers, the Jets, uh, the Hartford Whalers, and the and Nordiques. The, uh, and, and, yeah, and, the, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, so um, it, but yeah. It, yeah, it was it was um, it was it was qu- quite a ride, and there was like you say that the hockey was uh, zany sometimes, <laughs> but we had we had some really good teams in that league, but some of them were just. Oh my God, the Birmingham Bulls! Are you yeah. kidding me? Those guys—they <laughs> were—it was insane. That's but funny. you know what? Hey, listen. Uh, you know, it was—I I don't regret one second going to the league. And and I, and I tell you, um, I always, I always will always remember Scotty Morrison for being a man of his word. Because mm-hmm. when I, when that league uh, amalgamated with the four teams amalgamated in the National Hockey League, I, I had to go through uh, the hoops to get into the national hockey league because the WHA was done. Right. And, um, and I, and, and Mr. Morrison said to me, uh, if you were good enough to work for me in 72, <laughs> after seven years of experience in that league, you should be good enough to work for me now. And he, and he kept his word and he, you know, mm, and, and yeah. uh, he, cause he told me when I signed with the WHA, I said, sir, if, if this thing goes south real quick, um, you know, <laughs> what's, what's, what's the news? What's you, what are you going to do? And he said, if you're good enough to work for me now, you'd be good enough to work for me then. And, and he yeah. kept his words. So I'll always remember Scotty for the, for that. that. Yeah, That's very cool. Yeah. I was going to ask how you made the transition, but yeah, I mean, it's not like you just worked there for seven years. Like, like you said, you did 700 games there. You did seven straight Avco cup finals. Uh, the yeah. last one being the jets versus the Oilers. Is there a particular Avco cup final that kind of sticks out in your memory as being the best one was it was it the last one is like one team you're like i can't believe these guys are all on the same ice at the same time like well it's um the, the year before that was when when um uh, when the jets played the quebec nordiques and the, and the nordiques um they had uh, stats knees uh, back then actually won it. yeah and that's when yeah. the jets came out and everybody was wearing wearing the white t-shirts they mm. you know they call it the blizzard you know yeah they kind of they, they kind of that 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 uh came out that's that's that series Reminds me because I worked uh, Game Seven in Quebec City, um, mm. and and the Nordiques won the championship, and and that was a big deal up there, because the you know Quebec City was always playing second fiddle to the Canadians, right? The Montreal Canadiens, and when they won that, uh, that was a big deal in that city, and they had a parade the next day, and uh, I we my my colleague Alan Glassbell, uh, who I worked with. Uh, mm-hmm. And another linesman, the referee was from Montreal. He had he had gone home to to Montreal after mm-hmm. the game, but Alan and I stayed over, and they were partying into the night. And uh, <laughs> the next day, they had a bit of a parade, and yeah. and, and uh, it was it was really cool. So that right. was the one that sticks out to me, the, nice. the one prior to the last one. Right. Yeah. Such as a fascinating thing. There's books and and documentaries, and I just want to take it all in because it's it's just so crazy. Um, but uh, so you're coming into the league, the NHL uh, in '79-80. This was when, the, like you said, the four teams merged. This also right. happened to be the time when our New York Islanders emerged from their yes. uh, cocoon of of choking, <laughs> of having the reputation of <laughs> of choking in the playoffs to uh, to take over, you know, and, and win four straight cups. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember your first 
game working with the Islanders, but like, what are your memories of that team and, and sharing the ice with those guys? Well, I, you know, something I, I, when I was in the WHA, of course, uh, you know, we always kept an eye on what was going on in the national hockey league, especially near the end of the WHA. When you, mm-hmm. and when you would sit there and you say, geez, I, I wonder mm-hmm. if I'm ever going to get an opportunity to work right. in the national hockey league and, and, and giving the WHA all, all it's due credit for, you know, for what it did, it, it, it you know, it, it upped the, the contracts, it helped guys that were being paid a lot less money than they should have uh, to make <laughs> really good money and, and right. uh, et cetera. So for all that, um, you, you wanted to be in the National Hockey League because that's that's where it was. That's where the prestige was. The bulk of the best players in the world were there. You wanted to 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 you know to work at that level to be considered one of the best officials in the world to work the best league in the world. Mm-hmm. So we, we would always keep an eye on that. And of course, when when the, the Montreal Canadiens uh, had their had their run, and then the Islanders took over from them, we, we would be watching that. Right. And and of course. Um, when the Islanders, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they gagged a couple of times in the playoffs and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, but when they finally started that dynasty, um, it was, it was something to be, it was something to behold. I, 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 I don't really remember my first game in 1979 with them, mm-hmm. but when, when I, I look back on that, cause that was a long time ago. Um, I do remember how good they were. I mean, how deep they were. I mean, right, right up the center of the ice from, from Billy Smith, Roly Mellinson, their defense, uh, Dennis Podvan, and then their centers. Their centers were so good. Butch Goring and Brian Trotchy and Brent Sutter. And, mm. and, and, and it just, it, it, and on and on and on those, it, it, what a, what a great team. And, and you know, the Islanders um, are, are the definition of a dynasty. Like uh, when you hold your, when you hold your core players together, um, and win four championships and compete for five. Of course, he lost the fifth uh, drive for five to the Oilers. But, you know, I, I believe it's, it's 16 or 17 of those players that won four Stanley Cups together. I mean, yeah. can you imagine Can you imagine in today's day and age with the salary cap and, you know, and, and the salaries and everything, trying to keep, hold a team together like that? No. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, yeah. it, it, in today's day and age, that, that's impossible. Yeah. So I look at the Islanders as one of the last, you know, great dynasties in yeah. in pro sports because of of them holding their core their core together. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I there's a couple of times when we were staying at the at the at the Long Island Marriott there uh, right across <laughs> from the rink. Um, there's a couple of times I went over. Uh, I had to go over. I I, had, I think I broke my wrist or whatever it was, and and I went over to get uh, some therapy on my wrist. And I just sat up and I watched them practice, mm. uh, you know, and Al Arbor came on the ice and he, he just stood there and he just blew his whistle and, and they practiced for an hour and I'm watching these guys play and practice. And it was just like a machine, uh, like a well-oiled <laughs> machine. They, it was, it was, uh, it was something to behold. Yeah. There was no nonsense. There was no, they just, they just did it and mm. off they went. And he never, he never, you know, had never got the chalkboard out and there was none mm. of that kind of stuff. He just sort of, they just went through their drills and, 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 uh, and away they went. The Islanders were good at everything. And, and that's what made them so good. And, and the, and the Edmonton Oilers, when they, when they beat the Islanders in their last, in their last family cup finals to take over and start another dynasty, they almost were a template of that Islander team. Yeah. They could play it any way they wanted, any way you wanted. They could, they could, 
rock and roll. They could play, you know, that, that beautiful playmaking. They had mm. all the players. They had everybody in the mix that could play any way you wanted. And yeah. if you wanted to, if you wanted to try to intimidate them, well, that was not on. Like, you know, because they had some guys, <laughs> right? Man, they had some guys that you did not want to mess with, you yeah. know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, they always yeah. tell the stories about how, you know Clark Gillies did a lot of fighting in his first couple of years, and Bob Nystrom too, and a lot of other guys. But yeah. after a while, they just stopped because there was no well, reason to fight those guys. You know, I mean, happen. especially Clark. God bless, yeah. God bless him, and God rest yeah. his soul. He, uh, Clark, Clark was 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 uh, one of the toughest one of the toughest guys and not only a great player, but, but mm. you could, this guy could handle his, yeah. his Dukes boy. He yeah. had hands on him like ham hocks, great yeah. big hands. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if you remember Dan, mm. um, when uh, the Rangers brought up uh, Eddie Hospitar, he oh, was yeah. going to, he was going to be their tough guy. Mm. Well, I was, I was on the ice the night that the Islanders played in the Rangers. Wow. And he, and he barked up uh, Clark's tree a couple of times. And, uh, you know, I, I said to, I said to Ed, you know, I said, uh, hey, hey, young man, do you know who you're dealing with there? Like, you know, and, and, and he just, he kind of blew me off and he said, yeah. uh, you do your job. I got a job to do out here. I said, well, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the night that he, that uh, Gillies, Gillies put yeah. him in the hospital. Yeah. I've heard Clark Gillies tell that story live. He, he, re yeah. he hit him, he hit him twice. He, mm. he hit him straight on. Um, and knocked actually knocked him out on his feet because I mm. was right there with I was right there with the late John D'Amico, Hall of Famer mm. John D'Amico, and he, and Clark hit him straight on, broke his nose, uh, drove drove his two front teeth up into the roof of his mouth, and then broke his orbital orbital bone. And I think <laughs> yeah. he broke his jaw. I think he broke his jaw. Like yeah. he only hit him. He hit him twice. Yeah, but he and yeah. you know something, nobody went near Clark. The only two other guys <laughs> that that would act sort of went after him were LC Cord from the Hawks. And Terry, um, yeah, O'Reilly yeah. from the from the Bruins, who, another you know, guy who he beat in the playoffs, and that oh, was really he, kind he, of an inciting. He beat, yeah, he beat the hell out of O'Reilly, <laughs> but O'Reilly wouldn't quit. Yeah, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't quit. So yeah. you know, but Clark was a he was a tough guy, boy, yeah. and um, but they. They, like you say, they could, and Podvan was no, no uh, shrink right. and violet either. I mean, he could handle his Dukes. And yeah. of course, everybody knows about Billy Smith. I mean, oh, well, God. yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah so, it's not every team that has a, a goalie that had, could yeah, but put you, up but like six about, penalty minutes. Yeah. Think about, think about the, the Hall of Famers in that, in that, in that, uh, on that team. Right, mm. right from right from Mr. Torrey, Bill Torrey, the general manager who put the team together, mm. um, you know, and then, and Al Arbor, the late, great Al Arbor. Mm. Um, and right, right down the, right down the list, you know, yeah. uh, and then all of the hall of famers that they have, you know, and they're, 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 they're too many to like, they got Podvan and Trotsky yeah. and, and Gillies and Bossy and, and all mm. those, I mean, just one after another. Right. You know? Then there's guys like Bob Bourne and Wayne Merrick yeah. that don't get that yeah. kind of, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, you got, you, yeah. you got like Ken Morrow, like right. think of, look at their Perfect. back end. Yeah. You know, they had, they had guys that could rush the puck and then they had guys that stayed at home. You yeah. know, Gord Lane, Kim Morrow, and those guys yeah, steady, Gordon were Lane, steady yeah. back there. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, guys like Dave Langevin. And mm. and then, then you got guys that could rush the puck up the ice, like Putvan and, right. and the Swedish kid there. I forget his name now. Stefan so, Person. Yeah. Thomas Janssen. Yeah, the two yeah, of them. Yeah. 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 Those guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could rush good. the puck and play on the power play. Yeah. I mean, they were the complete package. They yeah, were, really. they were, they were something else, boy. I'll yeah. tell you, they were a really good team. Yeah. They well, were really worth. So, yep. so I got to ask you, because as an official, this is 
part of the job. Which of those guys, as great as they were as players and as people, which one of them gave you the hardest time? Like, was there one guy that was just, he was constantly complaining about calls, whether they made or not made? There had to have been somebody, uh, right? On the Islanders? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Near the end, near the end of his career, uh, and and again, uh, you know, bless his heart. Right. Uh, but that was, but we didn't know this at the time. Mm. Um, Mike Bossy, with he had a really bad back. Yeah, and he was playing. Yeah. He was playing in a lot of pain. Yes, and and he got he got to be a bit of a he he, he was chirping pretty good. But <laughs> by, but by and large, by and large, those guys just went about their business. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, like you know, I, I there's there's a few <laughs> there's a, a couple of you know like one time one one time we had a, a game between um, of course any games between the Islanders the Rangers the Flyers and the Washington Capitals were always oh, yeah. fun they yeah. were always fun they were always fun to work they played you the know? Caps like four or five years in a row in the playoffs or something oh, like that oh Everybody I know just- yeah. Oh, they were they were fun games to work because yeah. those teams genuinely didn't they didn't like one another <laughs> they they weren't right. buddy buddies you know right. anyway so. One one night it was it was the year following the infamous uh, missed offside by my good friend and colleague Leon Stickle and uh, you know that where uh, I think I think Dwayne Sutter either tied the game or yeah. no, he tied the game and, and yeah he tied the game and and Bobby Nystrom won it and and that won the Stanley Cup and if the if the Flyers had a won they would have had Game Seven back mm. in, the, in in Philly. Oh man. Um, <laughs> any, any, yeah. Anyways, it was a year following that. Okay. Mm. And we're doing a game in there and it's just, I think it's the first time the flyers are back in the Island after, after the, the, the uh, Islanders had won their Stanley cup and <clears throat> Dave Langevin is going off the ice and a, and a player by the name of Norm Barnes mm-hmm. uh, speared him like right in the navel, like got him real good. Mm. And I, he did it right in front of me. <laughs> And Wally Harris is working the game, and Dennis Podvan and all of the Islanders got got, got <laughs> Wally pinned up against the glass, like you know, because because Lance because they saw it from the bench, right? And it would happen right in front of the Islander bench, and it happened right in front of me. So I go and I I'm there trying to get through these guys, trying to bail mm. Wally out, and he's he's explaining to them that he didn't see anything, and I, and I'm going Wally Wally, and he goes not now, not now, <laughs> and Pod Ben's in his face, and everybody's screaming and hollering. I goes Wally, I saw it, and he just everybody just stopped and turned and looked and says, I said, he said, so what? I said, I said Norm Barnes, I said Speared Langevin right in the guts, mm. got him right awful. He goes, so we kicked him out of the game, and at the time the Flyers were leading two one. Mm. And the Islanders scored two goals. It was a major penalty for spearing. They scored two goals in the power play and won three to two. Oh, wow. <laughs> and well, they were Shiro and 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 yeah. and those guys. They were all waiting for us at, down in the hallway because the dress <laughs> the, because the dressing room, their dressing room was right right next to ours, just down right. the hallway from ours. So all the Flyers are there, and mm. and they were just giving calling us a bunch of homers oh, and. You know, yeah. things haven't changed or New York's always getting the call and blah, blah. Oh, my so God. What, what a night that was. Oh, man. If Mike so, were here, he would say that that was the last time the Islanders ever got a call from a referee. But uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. You, know uh, you know what? I, 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 cut, I cut him a lot of slack. I mean, yeah. I was on the ice with uh, with the Islanders. Uh, mm. They were playing against the Nordics when uh, 
when when Mike Bossy tied the Rockets record. Yeah, you know, I was going to say you were at that game, the fifty and fifty. Yeah, game, yeah, yeah, I worked. Yeah, I worked that game, and it was fifty, 50 goals in fifty games, and mm. uh, you know, so um, so we're down on the hallway, and we're 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 you know talking to to Michelle Bergeron, who's the coach of the Nordics, mm-hmm. and I think Mike was I think too shy. I think he had forty eight or whatever it was, mm. and. Um, uh, and the league had sent out a fax. That's back in the old days when they had fax machines. Sent out a fax that um, if Bossy ties the Rockets' record tonight, um, the penalty for leaving the bench to celebrate a goal will be, you know, will be set aside for this particular mm-hmm. goal because it's such a historic goal. So we told uh, Mich- Michel Bergeron his his nickname was the Petit Tiger, like the, mm-hmm. the, little, the little tiger, because he, uh-huh. he, he was so. He's standing there, and we was we told him, and uh, the referee said, uh, you know, if Bossy scores tonight, that scores his fifty goals, and he said, don't worry about that shit. He said he's not gonna score no goals tonight. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, well, he yeah. waited to the third period. Then yeah. he got them, you know. Yeah. But they the the roof almost come off that place. I mean, mm. it was un, it was unbelievable yeah. uh, how how loud it got in there when he scored that. And of course you see him, he's doing the dance. And, yeah. The running man. And yeah. Everything. <laughs> and yeah. And then, and they, you know, of course the Islanders come off the bench to congratulate him. And I was, uh, I was, I was right there. Front, I was right on the ice and it was really something. It was something to be part of that. Yeah. It was really great. It was awesome. That's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Real, I mean, we talked a little bit about Nassau Coliseum before, like, uh, that must have been an insane place to, I mean, play a game. We, we've heard the stories, but like to officiate a game, that must have been a pretty crazy place to do that because it's very loud. The people are very in your face. And I know from experience that they don't often like the officials <laughs> in the game when they make calls against their team. Like what, uh, what was that like? Uh, well, you, at yeah, the it, you, you know, you know what it, beca- it becomes um, after you get used to it and, you know, and mm. to a new official, a big crowd can be somewhat intimidating, but as you get on and get used to it, it's just white noise. Like you just, you, um, you, you don't even, you basically when you're doing your job, you don't even hear it. I mean, you may hear it, obviously you hear it when they're after the whistle goes and the play is stopped and they're booing and screaming at you. <laughs> I mean, sure. You, you'll hear that, but when the play is going on, you, you, you really don't, you really don't hear it. Mm-hmm. You know um, it's uh, you just kind of go into a, and if you're doing your job and you're doing it properly, you go into a zone, you, you, you kind of mm-hmm. block that stuff out and, and focus on what you have to do to make sure that, you know, those, those teams are, get a fair shake from the officials and that they, you know, they both have an equal chance to win the game under the rules. And then mm-hmm. that's all, that's all we do really. Yeah. I mean, I was told when I, when I started officiating, um, there's only, there's only two reasons why hockey teams or any team in any sporting endeavor win they're mm-hmm. either luckier to win or more fortunate they get the breaks or they're better mm-hmm. but they don't win by cheating right. or by breaking the rules and that's what officials are for to make sure that one one team doesn't have an advantage over the other because they cheat cheat or break the rules yeah. that, and that, that's that's all we are it's, it's kind of really really breaking it down into very simplistic terms or if you yeah. look at it that's pretty it's a pretty simple so that's a simplified way to look at it mm. so you just go out there you do your job and and personally i didn't care who won or lost it didn't matter <laughs> to me it, it really didn't and yeah. and but but there were some buildings that were louder and crazier than others and and when the islanders were were winning those cups and when they were really good boy that place was 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 loud but you know something those mm. those fans were good we never had any problems um 
you know, interacting with them, whether we try to get at you, that type of thing. Right. Uh, I, I had a, a, a couple of incidents in, 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 in the city and the Rangers where guys almost come down the steps there, you know, <laughs> at me and, and right. uh, so or at us. And, and they were they were kind of animated. But, you know, uh, but by and large, uh, the mm. only I guess the only one that I had was when the guy jumped on the ice in Boston. But that was uh, that was another day. And another well, no, story. that that's a, that's actually a perfect segue to this, because I did want to get to this. So in doing a little research, I found this YouTube clip of this game in Boston, 1989, Boston Garden. The referee had made the call and the Bruins fans, or at least one Bruins fan, really didn't like it. And he came over the ice. For Boston, Hoggard is out with Bork. And uh, the question is, will we be able to complete it? There's a fan coming out on the ice. Oh, he was hit by the linesman and belted into the boards. A fan looked as though he was going to go to McCrary, and Asseltine hit him. And Asseltine took him right off the rink, and you would not see a hit like that in the NFL. How stupid Ron of the Asseltine is being congratulated for that. And now, too much debris is being thrown on the ice. People, don't take this audio for it. Like you got to go watch it because this is really interesting. So, like, what happened in this game where this guy just climbed over the ice and just started making for your uh, your referee? Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, Boston. They had a really good team that year. Um, uh, they I, they were in the top echelon of the league, and the Winnipeg Jets were just kind of finding their own way. You know, they mm-hmm. they were. Anyways, Winnipeg's in there, and um, and before you know it, it's like uh, four nothing for Winnipeg, three or four nothing for Winnipeg. Now, Andy Moog is playing for the Boston Bruins. He couldn't stop a beach ball. Everything went <laughs> one between his legs, one over his shoulder. It's always, all of a sudden, it's three nothing mm-hmm. and or four nothing, whatever it was. But then the Bruins started to mount a comeback and they got to within, uh, I think, one, one or two goals. Mm-hmm. And Blake Wesley got clipped uh, with a high stick. And Bill McCreary was working the game. And I was uh, on the lines with Mark Vines. Um, the Bruins wanted a major penalty and Bill ruled that, uh, you know, that Wesley had basically punched, uh, 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 I forget his last name. That's right. Any, anyways, it was, name was Paul. Anyways, mm-hmm. he, his stick flew up and, and split, uh, split Wesley. So that the Bruins want a major penalty. Well, Bill says, no, he, he, he's not getting a major penalty. Uh, you basically did it to yourself. You, you punched him in the back of the head. He fell forward. His stick flew back. Well, now they're getting howly, you know, because they yeah. want to they want a major penalty. So we're trying to get the game going. They're throwing stuff on the ice. Mm. And finally, we get things kind of cleared up. And I'm Riley screaming at me and he's standing in the doorway and I'm yelling back at him. You know, you know, close the door. Let's get the game going. We got to get out of here because right. Bill and I had like an after that was an afternoon game mm. and we wanted to catch a flight home. You know, we get out of there, you know? So, so anyways, Bill points to the to the uh, to the dot. I looked and here's this guy running at Bill's back. Yeah. Like he's, he, and I, and I, I didn't know where he came from until I, uh, un, until I uh, saw the replay, he'd climbed over the glass and jumped on the ice and he's running at Bill's back. So I just took off. I took off from the blue line and just as he got to Bill, I got to him and uh, he went, he went headlong into the boards and, and uh, Mark and I, 
picked him up by the seat of his pants and fired him out the end of the rink. And, uh, and then we got a police escort out of the building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really trucked him. And it's, and it's funny that you talk about your, your football background. Cause now I see, <laughs> I see the influence cause he, he didn't see you coming and you, you were like Reggie white. Like you just came out yeah. of nowhere and just yeah. like torpedoed this guy. And well, my favorite part yeah. of the whole clip is after you guys had removed him from, you know, the ice service and they closed the the boards and went back to play. You got a pretty nice ovation from the Boston Garden crowd after that. Well, yeah, they were oh, kind of cheering. Bill Bill was standing. They were throwing stuff on the ice, <laughs> right. and and Bill Bill was standing up against the glass, and he's going, he's motioning to me like the closer you get to the glass, you know, the trajectory, of the stuff coming down on the ice. And they're <laughs> My nickname's the Bear, and mm. he goes, Bear, Bear, come on, get over here. And and I I I, I stayed by him. I said, screw them. I'm not going to hide from these people. There's fourteen thousand people, fifteen thousand people throwing stuff at stuff at me. You know, so I was hot. I was really yeah. I was hot because well, yeah. you know I, that had never happened before. And I yeah. thought, what was this guy nuts? Yeah, you know, it's like the you know it's it's like the old saying. You know, if you if you pay your your money to 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 go to the zoo, the last thing you do is you want to jump in the cage with the gorillas. I mean, that's that's what this that's what this guy did. Yeah, I mean, he it's, jumped he jumped insane. on the ice surface, and I and I'm one of those those guys that mm. I, I sacrificed. Those players sacrificed, mm. and and my my teammates sacrificed to get on a National League rink. Mm. Okay, get on the ice surface, and just because you paid your ticket and had a couple of beers doesn't mean that you can come on that ice surface. And if yeah. you do uh well all bets are off you're taking your chances <laughs> uh, but yeah. you can't you can't do that now i mean no. uh now that would be uh yeah no but, be, uh, that would not be a good idea these days no it but be uh that idea. guy definitely learned his lesson though all those years well I, I think so yeah, <laughs> yeah i think so yeah yeah uh, no it, 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 it was an interesting career i mm. I, I did as far as interacting with with fans there wasn't you know there wasn't a uh, that is really a no-no. That's something that yeah. you really, man, players and officials can't interact with the fans because you know right. what, Dan, w- uh, without without the fans, none of us are working. The players right. aren't getting paid. They're, they aren't yeah. getting paid. They're, there's these humongous salaries that they're making. The officials mm-hmm. aren't getting paid and nobody's getting. So you got to have the fans. So you cannot, you know, you cannot interact with them in a, in a bad way. You have to, yeah. you, that's, that's, uh, that's not on. Uh, you were saying you had a story about the Sutter brothers that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. I mean, uh, what a great hockey family you're talking, you know, uh, seven sons, six play in the national hockey league, just an amazing family. And, and all of them were really good players, obviously good enough to play in the national hockey league. But the, the one I recall from uh, working an Islander game, St. Louis was in. And of course, Brian was a captain of the, of the blues and, uh, and Dwayne and, and, uh, and Brent were playing for the Islanders. So Dwayne's kind of running around and he's, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the hustle brothers, I think they called them, didn't they? <laughs> or something. And anyways, he's, he's buzzing around and, and we have this scrum in the corner mm-hmm. and uh, Dwayne come in and kind of cuffed the guy in the a blue St. Louis blue in the, in the back of the head. And his brother, Brian said, doggy, take a hike. <laughs> and like, you know, get out of here, you know, this is his older brother, who's the captain of the Blues, telling, and his nickname was Doggy. That's what right. his name, Dwayne's name was Doggy. He says, Doggy, get out of here. And he says, I got a job to do out here. Don't think. He says, Doggy, I kicked your ass at home, and I'll kick your <laughs> ass here. Get out of here. So anyways, he just kind of, you know, he just, we broke it up. We all had a bit of a chuckle, and off mm. he goes. So so Brent is sitting on the bench, and I and, and I just happened at a timeout, a commercial timeout. He says, 
Hey, Brent, were you uh, were you uh, thinking of maybe intervening between your uh, your older brother and uh, and Doggy? And he goes, Nah, Doggy should know better. <laughs> <laughs> So that was, well, that was brothers good. For that you, was, right? yeah. yeah, that was yeah. And that's the kind of banter, the interaction that you yeah. have. You, know, you got three three brothers out there, two are teammates, yeah, and one's the captain of the opposing right. team. And that it's you know, and uh but yeah. they uh they were they were great, yeah. great family and and a credit to the game. All of them were credit to the game. And there were yeah. six of them playing all at one point, right? I mean that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's so. right. Uh, Daryl Daryl played Daryl captained the uh, uh, Captain Blackhawks, right. uh, Brent was captain the the Islanders. Right, and Brian, you had Dwayne, and, and you had Ron Dwayne, and Rich. Yeah, yeah. the twins. Yeah, and, so. and yeah, so they you had six of them. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing was, family. Yeah, I just yeah, I remember you know going to games as a kid, and it's I felt like does every team have one of these Sutter guys? I don't know. The Islanders always had at least one yeah. Sutter for a period of about fifteen years. So it's always- well, yeah, they won. Well, they actually won two. Uh, Dwayne won four yeah. cups. Yeah, and and Brent, and, too, yeah. and Brent won too, and they yeah. were on this, you know, and they were on the same team. Can you imagine playing with your brother and winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I'm just uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, one thing I'm always curious about. You talk about the banter and and the things that like you know people don't really aren't really privy to. That's kind of just in, in, within the game. I'm always curious, uh, and this is probably different. Was different when you were officiating than it is now. But mm-hmm. uh, what was the training? like for officials back then for like off season stuff. I know like for in the really old days in the NHL, like the off season training was either working a second job or fishing. Like Butch Goring talks yeah. about this on Islanders games all the time. Like his off season was fishing. That was it. And yeah. Gordy Howe worked in like a warehouse or something. Yeah. But yeah. What, what did you do to, to kind of keep up? I mean, cause you know, you have a three month layoff too in between seasons. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, 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 to be honest with you, Dan, I was one of those guys that, um, I played, I love to play, uh, you know, softball in the summertime with my buddies and drink beer and barbecue. <laughs> so I was always, you know, I always waited sort of, I, and I hated the training. Sure. And, and um, I always left it to the last minute, mm. uh, you know, the last six weeks. And then I would get myself into shape because you have to pass all these physiological right. tests, um, you know, before the season starts, because if you don't pass them, you don't work. Uh, but that, when I first started, uh, officiating in 1972, that wasn't the case. You mm. just showed up if you weren't, <laughs> over, if you weren't, a, you know, if you weren't, uh, overly fat mm. and, and out of shape, then you got to pass. Yeah. But as it started, you know, when it's all started, this all started in 1972 when the national hockey league, uh, played, uh, played the Russians and the team wow. Canada played the Russians yeah. and the Russians came over here and, and yeah. almost beat them. Yeah, right. uh, they, that all started this off, you know, off ice training, dry land training, mm-hmm. all of that thing, all of that stuff. By yeah. the time I left the league in 1997, it was really coming into its own. Mm-hmm. And now these officials are in super, super shape. Like yeah, I can you, imagine. <laughs> you, yeah, they, these guys are. And, and you know what? If they're not, they don't work. Right. Um, and so, you know what? Um as time marches on, things mm. things evolve, and mm. right now, uh, these young men uh, are playing a game of, with which I am not familiar, and they're <laughs> offici- and they're officiating with which I am not familiar. You don't see any fat officials anymore. You just no. don't. You, you, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you listen, know. you're not going to get an argument about spending the summer 
drinking beer and hanging out with your friends. Like that, that's what we all do. And I mean, I go to the gym twice a week and I hate it. I can't even imagine yeah. officiating games four or five nights a week. It must've been yeah. insane. But, uh, but that's another thing that I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I, I want to bring up too. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you watch hockey now? I, I mean, are you a fan or you, you just go back to, to watching the sport? Uh, Cause you love it. And, and if you do, do you notice missed calls and things on the ice and you're just like, oh, oh man, he got away with an offside there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do. And, and, yeah. and you know, being, you know, I'm like, listen, I, I'm, I'm 76 this coming weekend. So, I mean, mm. I, and I've been Where'd out they... of the game. Yeah. Thank you. I've been out of the game for, you know, over 25 years yeah. now and you, you sit there and, and you have a bit of a, uh, a critical view to these young men. Uh, yeah. But my, my, mine is how did we ever get it done with one guy and no, and no replay. <laughs> right. Mean, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. how, how do we get, how do we ever get it done? Uh, you know, with just one referee and, and no replay, mm. these guys have all the tools. There's now four of them out there. Uh, they got the, uh, you know, they, they got the spy in the sky. They got, uh, mm. they got a net cam and they got right. all that. They got the iPads out the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. We never, yeah, we never had, we never had that. And that, and yeah. that's not, I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm just mm. saying, yeah. how did we, how did we ever get, how did we ever get, <laughs> and, yeah. and no wonder, like you'd wake up the next morning. Uh, I don't know if you're obviously if you're a lot of your audience may not you wake up the morning uh, next morning and you open up the sports page and there's a picture uh, of of the goaltender um, right. you know trying to make the save and there's the puck up in the net and it's circled with a, there's a black circle yeah. you know, these, <laughs> right. the, whoops whoops yeah. we missed one there you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's funny you know so you know and 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 nowadays uh of course there's no brawling nowadays there's there's more fights in baseball than there is in hockey <laughs> because yeah, right. the, the sanctions are so severe and now yeah. with the with the with the the, the concussion protocol and the cte mm. and and all of that yeah. I, I think i think it's a better game to be honest with you dan without the fighting i really yeah. do there's no need for it right. um but they still allow it um there's no other sport that allows fighting uh and where the players remain in the game mm. you know mm. uh so you know, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I look back now and, and some of the brawls that I was involved with and, mm. and, uh, you know, Philadelphia and sure. uh, places like that, where the intimidation was the name of the game you can't do that anymore. It's, it's yeah. a different game. It's a different game. And rightly so, because these young men have, have families, they have young families, they have, they have to go home at, at the end of the night and, and not worry about getting their, their, their brains bashed in, you know, I mean, that's to be, you know, to be perfectly blunt with you, you know, so, you know what, um, it, it's a great game as far as watching it. I don't watch it religiously, but when I do, I, uh, you know, I, I always try and cut the officials uh, as much slack as I possibly can. Uh, you oh, know? Yeah. But Mike and I, in the six years that we've been doing the podcast, I think we've, we've complained about the reps, maybe three or four times. And it's, it usually involves an Islanders goal that got called back <laughs> or something. We, we talked a lot about a, uh, a Thomas Vanek overtime goal from about seven years ago that oh, yeah. I called yeah, back yeah. that has been a formative uh, thing, but uh, no, it's a tough job. Like I always say, you know, I mean, playing is a tough job, but man, I would not want to be in a fit. That's tough. Like you, you almost well, can't even win. Like you, you make you, the right yeah, call and half the audience still hates you. But <laughs> you, you have, know? yeah, but you, Dan, you have to know that going in, you know, you know, mm, that yeah. people, people don't pay uh, to, to, you know, to, to, to watch sports, to watch <laughs> the officials. Yes. Okay. They, they, they don't, they don't, they're, they're not there to watch you. They're there to watch those players mm. and, and perform. You know, there's, there's, um, the game involves the venue. That means mm. either the rink or the field or the tennis court or wherever it is. And the players, yeah. that's what the fans go to watch. So if it's, it's their puck, it's their game. Mm. 
<laughs> give them the puck, yeah. let them play, let them rock and roll. But when they start to abuse one another, then you got to put your arm in the air. Yeah, it's it's basically simple, and and you and you don't want to intervene, you know, because right. the the fans pay their good money to watch these players perform. It's their game. Let right. them play. Let them go. Let it, you know. So it's. But you know what? Uh, I I spent I spent twenty five years um, in professional hockey, the best twenty five years of my life. <laughs> uh, I it just it just um, you can't believe how quickly it flew by. Yeah. And you don't realize until you get to be to my age and go, wow, <laughs> how lucky was I to go to work for 25 years and love mm-hmm. my job? Right. You know, and um, there's an old saying, you know, if you love your job, you never have to work a day in your life. Yeah, I've heard that. And, yeah. uh, and I was I was really I was I was really fortunate. And I think you can you talk to anybody that's involved in professional sports as an official or as a player. Uh, it's it's um it's an, ex- it's an experience that you just can't imagine. It's wonderful. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, you know and yeah. it's, it's, it's great. It was great. I had a great and time. And at the end, you, you end up with about 10 lifetimes worth of stories. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just scratched the surface. I got, yeah. a, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of them, uh, you know, um, about, you know, the Islanders mm. and, uh, you know, and their interactions with, uh, their, you know, their, their crosstown rivals, the oh, Rangers yeah. and, uh, and, uh, that division along the East coast there, man. Yeah. Those Imagine. those teams, man, when they were rocking and rolling, it was yeah. it was fun. It was it was you know, bring it on. I love yeah. this. It was yeah. Well, that's another <laughs> thing that's different too. I I talked to Dennis Potvin once, and he was like, "Yeah, we hated those guys. We hated all of them. Like there was no. there was no like you know interaction and having fun or whatever. No, no, they would skate. They would skate around. They wouldn't even acknowledge right. one another. Like yeah, no, yeah, no. Exactly. And uh, and then when they dropped the puck, it was game on, boy. Right. And yeah. um, and it, it was uh, it was um. It was a great time. I, it yeah. was a, it, it was a great time. I'm not taking anything away from the games mm. now uh, because you know you always look back uh, and you say oh, what a great league it was then. But you know if you put it into perspective, mm. we're, right now these are the good old days because these yeah. young men will move on and they'll look back on the early 2000s and say, "Wow, wasn't the league great then?" <laughs> and then and then when I was a little boy watching uh, watching the, the original six and being you know being a big i was a big montreal canadian fan mm. and um and all i ever wanted to do was play in the national hockey league and mm. and i was blessed and lucky enough to do second best i you know i was i was on the ice with some of the greatest players in the history of the game sure. and i'll always be grateful for that opportunity yeah, yeah. great stuff well uh last thing i want to bring up is uh what you've done uh after you left officiating which is also a, a pretty darn good thing as well you founded the guelph wish fund for children uh in which kids wishes are are granted and uh you you did this for a very long time uh tell us a little bit about that and and where people can donate and find more information about it well uh to be honest with you i started I, uh, my wife uh, wendy and i and a couple of friends uh, uh one of them has just, is deceased um started a, a wish fund for, for severely ill, injured, and handicapped children in our community. And I actually, we started it in 1984. So I still had, oh, wow. uh, you know, like thir- 13 years left in my National Hockey League career. Mm. Um, and being an NHL official opened up a, 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 lot, of, uh, a lot of doors for wishes mm. that children wanted to, to have. Um, because I was, you know, I was, right. I was hooked up with some people, you know, <laughs> and uh, we raised, we raised money uh, to, uh, uh, 
to grant children whose lives are threatened by, uh, you know, a, a severe illness, injury, um, or handicap, you know, like uh, dystrophic mis- uh, diseases and stuff like that. And each 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 child's wish is special for each, and is because each child is special. And uh, and I we started it in 1984 uh, when I was playing softball. It started um, with five hundred dollars, and oh, wow. uh, when we it, during my tenure as the president uh, and chairman of the board, we raised um, over a million and a half dollars, wow. almost two million, and two, two million dollars over two million dollars, I should say. Uh, uh, we donated one hundred and one point two five million dollars back into our community, and uh, when we left, we left um, a legacy of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the incoming board. Wow. And uh, and when I when we started the charity in '84, each wish was worth about three thousand dollars. That's what it cost um, to send a family of four back then uh, to Disney World because that was kind of like the template. Every you know child wants to go to Disney World, right? Yeah. Now each wish is worth ten thousand dollars as you know as we go on with right. inflation, etc. So and right now they have uh, I believe uh, seventy wishes on the books in wow. our town in our hometown. So that's seven, $700,000. Yeah. In wishes. So, uh, it's, it was, it was my way of giving back to the community because without, without the coaches and and my hockey coaches and the women's auxiliary who used to, you know, make our hockey socks and, Mm. and, and, and the guys that mentored me when I was an up up and coming official, I would have never been able to live my dream as an NHL official. Mm-hmm. So I felt, why not give a child whose life is threatened, give him or her a, a dream? Wow. And so, you know, that's what I did. I gave it back to. I was really, really fortunate to do something I love to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I just thought it was time for me to give back. You know, so that's awesome. we started it. It was. Uh, it was actually. Um, I saw a child doing his wish in Minnesota one one night uh, after a, uh, a Minnesota North Star game. Mm. And, uh, and, and I, t- and I, I've made some inquiries as to, you know, as to how this worked <laughs> and uh, Tom Reed, who was playing defense for the North stars at the time, he was, he was a big driving force between the Minnesota make-a-wish and we oh, wow. templated our charity after Minnesota make-a-wish. So that's oh. where it kind of started, you know? That's so, great. And, yeah. And it's, so it's right now the charities, well, we founded it in 1984 and, and here we are, we're, you know, 20 20 some odd years 20 28 years charity's yeah. been going so it's still going yeah that's amazing and uh people can find out more at guelphwishfund.com g-u-e-l-p-h-w-i-s-h-f-u-n-d.com and uh, you can donate right there and uh, and help make yeah. some wishes come true well ron yeah. asselstein this has been so amazing you've been so patient and so wonderful over the course of however long it took us to finally put this together and i cannot thank you enough <laughs> well you know what dan it was my pleasure um and as i say uh, uh your your connection to our family through uh <laughs> through, the john, through, through john uh, uh he was the one that uh guided me your way and I, i'm really happy i was able to do this and, and it's always good to give back to the game because the game gave uh wendy and myself and our family so much yes. and uh and and I, it's the least i could do and i and i just want to wish you and your family and all of your listeners and all your uh, podcast participants, um, mm. uh, the very best for uh, a happy Thanksgiving, yeah, and uh, and the up uh, the upcoming Christmas season, and all the best to you. Thank you, and a happy birthday to you too. And shout well, out to my buddy John, who uh, hooked us yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, big, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. appreciate it, Jonathan. You know, that's my second cousin. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. sure. He and I will be at a game shortly at UBS Arena. I'm sure. Well, you have worked 
over 2,000 professional hockey games, over 25 years, over 86 playoff games, 17 straight Stanley Cup playoffs, three straight AVCO World Cup finals, and now one Islanders podcast. And you've made us all very, very happy and very, very uh, satisfied. And and just you you made us uh, smile. So we can't thank you enough. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, Mike and I will be back real soon. All right. Uh, Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye.